All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Can you see it? Did you know? The puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice, Adam's leaving. To the line, Hughes, Jones! Yes, existence, take you to the sun. First career NHL goal, Quinn Hughes makes it 1-0. You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes, the reporter here. Like, I don't, I don't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I'm one of the men in Valentine's Day. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What a Steals, cutting in, shoots, Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go.
Hello, Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation, brought to you by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. You can use promo code Hockey Season, capital H, capital S, all one word, Hockey Season. That will get you $5 off your order at Zephyr Epic. Zephyr Epic is your one-stop shop for all of your trading card needs, whether that be the Pokemon, the Yu-Gi-Oh!, the basketball, the hockey cards that we are partial to. Zephyr Epic has got you covered. Z-E-P-H-Y-R Epic. Go check them out on all platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Twitter, all of that fun stuff. Zephyr Epic ships free anywhere in Canada on any order over $50 from... From Terrace to Too Good Arm, Newfoundland. From Terrace to Too Good Arm, Newfoundland, Zephyr Epic ships free Canada-wide. So go check them out. Once again, that is Z-E-P-H-Y-R, Epic, on all platforms. And they once also got again, a retail location. That is Too Good Arm, Newfoundland. So I've added Newfoundland cities to my list here of cities. There are some hilarious names in Newfoundland. So I'll be getting to those in the next couple weeks here. I'm very excited for that. We're also delivered to you by the great folks at DoorDash. Ding dong. (laughs) Faber went for a sip of his iced coffee. Didn't know I was going to introduce DoorDash. But DoorDash, we have a promo code with them too. Use ConvoDD, capital C, capital D's, all one word, ConvoDD. That will get you 25% off and free delivery on your first order with the DoorDash app. So if you haven't done so yet, go download DoorDash. Use that promo code. There you go. Does not get much better than that, folks. My name is David Quadrelli. I am joined, as always, by the man who built the place, Chris Faber, and a very special guest who we have been joking around, uh, gouges us for all of the money we earn, Harmon Dial. <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> I called I called Harm for a Sportsnet hit and the I had to call his hotel because he didn't have his phone on America and the way that they answered was like Hello, this is blah 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 hotel, the finest establishment in the New York downtown strip, blah blah blah, and all this fancy dancy stuff. And I said, geez, that's where our Patreon money's going. Harmon's <laughs> paying for upgrades going to the top hotels in New York. No, I promise you that New York hotel, it was in a really nice location. It was it was it was a fine hotel. The Toronto one was really nice. That was the one well, where thank you. To the athletic, <laughs> you've got a you got a story. You almost got robbed. Yes, I did, and that's why I was I was telling you, you can't be that nice of a hotel. <laughs> if, I nearly, if I nearly got robbed in New York, um, yeah, I mean it was Thursday, so my last um, my last day in New York City. I spent a week there, and it was the day of the Islanders game, and so I'm I'm generally a pretty light sleeper, thank God, and so I, I was literally turning in my sleep, and I hear my door open and I just see this random white guy standing there looking at me just like caught like a deer in the headlights and I just immediately started shouting and swearing and 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 basically just just like what the hell is going on type thing and the guy just immediately turned and and like dashed off but um yeah I I could you know what it was too I realized you know how most hotel doors lock like auto lock when you Close the door. Yeah. Um, this one apparently didn't. <laughs> so, like, my door was fully, like, closed, right? And you figure, one, like, I always check my handle anyway when I'm leaving. Yeah. Because yeah, I'm, yeah. like, I'm not in the hotel room. But when you're in your hotel for the night and the door closes and you know most hotel rooms auto lock, I mean, I didn't think to, in from inside my own hotel room, double check that it's, like, fully secured or fully locked. Um, so even though it was fully closed and fully like latched optically, um, apparently it, it's, it's a thing around 
around some of these hotels where you can just like nudge and see if they see if they kind of open up anyway. Um, and so I got lucky there. My laptop was probably about out in plain sight, but like six to eight feet away from the guy from where the guy was standing. So close call there. Holy smoke! Well, I see. For me, I'm paranoid, so I always put the deadbolt on. I put every defense mechanism there is in that hotel room on full blast as soon as I go to bed. But man, that is scary. We wouldn't have seen that JT Miller article. I know. Unbelievable. Maybe, uh, maybe oh, like I, Dave Chappelle, he was just a big athletic fan, big VIP guy. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you're locking all the hotel rooms now, though. Like now, quad, like, I know. you're going to be doing the quads effect on the door and just deadbolt locks everything. Pulling all the, pulling out all the furniture against the door. Little mop bucket on top for someone <laughs> if they open the door and yeah. drops water on them. It's like a, what is it? The Home Alone? Yeah, Home Alone. Yeah. Hit him with tar and a bunch of feathers. <laughs> Home Alone featuring Harmon aside, Dial and David Quadrelli. Aside from that, though, Harm, I think we brought this up maybe on the Patreon. Uh, you also got to take in a comedy show. So, wait, you went on this road trip because uh, Durant's dog broke his foot or something? Was that it? I, I think, um, yeah, his his pup basically um, got injured and... Yeah. Uh, Wallace, of course, and uh, and so he can go on the trip. And him and I usually do a draft, or like that's what we did for this season, mm-hmm. um, where we like pick road trips. Um, that way, it's kind of divided in an equitable way. So my like first pick was the Vegas, uh, Vegas, Colorado, Anaheim one. Yeah. And then I think one of his first picks was this New York one. Um, and then so he couldn't go, and he was like, "Hey, can you go?" I was like. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll go to New York and Toronto. Uh, and so, yeah, that was, I was basically, I wasn't even supposed to be on that trip, but. Thanks, and then the com- And then what happened? Okay, yeah, so the comedy show. So New York has this place called the Comedy Cellar, and it's just kind of like this little dive bar-y type scene. Only, it's, it, I think it's only got capacity for like 50 to 100 people, and it's meant to kind of be this low-key spot um where you have like good local comedians and they don't really announce who's going to come beforehand and especially on a tuesday night i mean tickets are cheap um like 14 bucks so i was like okay like i generally like i don't watch a lot of stand-up comedy but i like comedy in general like if i'm throwing on a movie there's there's a good chance it's a comedy movie so i was like yeah why why the hell not seems like it's a a pretty well-reviewed spot so bought tickets went down and first two local performers go and they're pretty good and then Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock just like randomly decide to show up and go for an hour and a half. Um, and I was close enough to the point where even when Dave Chappelle was coming off stage, I was like looking at him because he's leaving, of course, and he could see me looking at him and he like shakes my hand and I'm like, big VIP right there, Dave Chappelle. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Who's Dave Chappelle's there. favorite Canuck? That's the real question. Oh, JT Miller? I can see really JT like Miller. JT Miller. The profanity probably yeah. ranks them pretty high. How cool was that though, Harm? Like to literally like two of the best comedians of like our era, maybe of all time, like it can be up there for sure. And people argue that, but like they are two of the best. Like what was it like to be like in that like small of an environment? It was crazy because it was such an intimate sort of environment. And, you know, he's he's just cracking jokes at the expense of like the little audience right in front of the <laughs> right in front of us. And um I mean, it was it was pretty unbelievable to kind of see their set. I've never seen them really perform. I, again, I don't really watch stand-up comedy, so I didn't even really... Um, I haven't, like, seen their shows or whatever on Netflix or their specials or anything like that. Um, but, I mean, they, they were just... It was more just, like... 
I don't know, talking as if friends, talking as if they were kind of friends thing. Um, and I think my favorite joke was when Chris Rock went, um, he was explaining when the only time he's ever had to apologize for a joke. He's like, he was performing at the spot and Rick Ross was in the audience. Um, and he's like, Rick Ross is going to be the first rapper to die of breast cancer. (laughs) (laughs) So they were really good. Oh man. Oh, that's awful. All right. Hold uh, on, last one for me. Sure. Just about the New York trip. What was the best restaurant you went to, or was it peanut butter and jelly sandwiches every <laughs> night? No, it was. Um, I really enjoyed Parm. It was a uh, Italian spot recommended by Drance. Um, it was kind of like this chicken Parmesan sub, and it was unbelievable. Okay, a really good Italian spot. Quasi, if you ever go to New York, yeah, you got to hit it up. Okay. Noted. I'm gonna actually have to. I, I'm planning on going to New York soon, so we'll. Uh, I'll get that from you. All right, let's hop into some Canucks talk. I got no the 10 drive mark. to go to New York at all. Personally, I just don't think New York's the spot for me. Okay. Just want to get that out there. Thank you so much for Something sharing. Something about there's too many people bumping around everywhere, and the, well, I don't know. It's it's not enough bumping and grinding for. No, there's no grinding. It's just people bumping around, and that, and then there's rats everywhere. You see any rats in the? That's what I see. Well, well the biggest thing that surprised me about New York is people just walk. Like, like doesn't matter if it's rush hour and it's a red light. You, people just walk. No, nobody cares about cars <laughs> in, in New York, and, oh, and I, it was actually got kind of bad because. Then I got in the habit of like when when you're in these crowds, it's like safety in numbers. But then a couple times when it's like you're at the start of it, I just got in the habit of like not even looking both ways and just walking. <laughs> and so when you're on like three four hours of sleep, probably not the best thing. And a couple a couple honks at me for sure. But um, yeah, it was good to see you making friends over there too, Harm. Making a few friends here and there in, in New York. Yeah, no, it was. I mean, when you're traveling alone, you just make friends. You make friends. That's what you like to see. And you got some good picks too. Though was that in Times Square? The, yeah, the picture yeah. you got—that was a good one. Friends, see, that's where you, you make them, and mm-hmm. they they take fire photos for you. Excellent, that was good. All right, quads, what do you got? Let's get to some Canucks stuff. Thank you. Seven, two, and one in their last ten, guys. The Vancouver Canucks are one point out of a playoff spot at the time of this recording. We're actually going to put this out on Wednesday. We're recording it Wednesday morning, so it all makes sense. But one point back. Obviously, the Dallas Stars have three games in hand. Harmon, when we look at this playoff picture, I think the focus has kind of shifted to third place in the Pacific because Vegas has just fallen off. They've lost Robin Lehner. No one really knows when he's going to come back. He's expected to be out at least two more weeks. What are you looking at when you look at this playoff picture? Because, you know, like Vegas has 62 games. Canucks only have 61. So for the Canucks to be only a point back of Vegas, it looks like now the team is going to be Edmonton. That's going to be the team to beat for the Canucks because it really looks like Vegas is just going to fall off here. What are you looking at when you see this playoff picture? Yeah, I think Vegas is in a real spot of, of bother here. And obviously we know how talented they are, but like you mentioned, they're missing Robin Leonard. They're missing their captain, Mark Stone. They're without another really good top six forward in Riley Smith. And Alec Martinez, and this is, I think, one of their most underrated injuries on the back end. He hasn't played the entire year, and he's been such a stabilizing force with the Golden Knights ever since he sort of joined the team. And so then you look at the top four, and it's just the back end isn't quite the same. It's still it's still a decent, obviously, um, back end with Petrangelo and Theodore and, and I, you, you guys know how big a fan of Zach Whitecloud I am, but it's not the same Vegas that we've sort of seen in years past. And obviously Jack Eichel's taking a while to get back up to speed. And it's funny because even three weeks ago, I thought to myself when everyone was getting hyped about Eichel's return, I thought to myself kind of 
Vegas is going to be great on paper, but I just don't know if this is going to be their year just because all, all these injuries, finding a groove, finding your rhythm, and especially the way the season kind of started and to have a mid big mid-season trade. And um, I don't think the Golden Knights, when I looked at their first 20 games, they were like one of the worst defensive teams in the NHL in terms of the quality of the chances they surrendered. And I was thinking, that's just not Vegas hockey. That's not the Vegas Golden Knights I know. So it hasn't been too surprising to see them kind of go in the skid and we'll see if they make a coaching change. I, I would love to see them fire DeBoer, go with Travis Green and have those storylines. Oh, Travis Green with Vegas versus the Canucks for a playoff spot. Oh, Sign me up. But yeah, I think Vegas looks vulnerable. Even the Kings have been banged up recently. I think Drew Doughty missed the last couple of games. Uh, Dustin Brown a couple of games ago got banged up. Uh, Victor Arvidsson's been out. Uh, Mikey Anderson and Matt Roy, another couple of big back-end pieces for LA. Uh, they've been hurt. Um, so you look at um, a lot of a lot of those teams and competitors that the Canucks are facing. It's um, they're it's turning into a bit of a turtle derby for a lot of these other teams. And I think kind of like you mentioned, it's so important now. Obviously, we, we won't be too picky if they get into the playoffs. I mean, that alone is, is is good enough. Beggars can't be choosers. But if they could find a way to sneak into that third spot, um, you're also putting yourself in a position to give yourself a legit shot to do something once you're in the playoffs because um, the second place team in the Pacific isn't really going... You're not going to be scared of them versus... It's, it's you, LA. It's going to be LA. Exactly. And you contrast that to, say, a scenario where the where the Canucks end up with the second wildcard spot, it's like, great, we made it. Now we've got Colorado, which, I mean, they still they would still have a shot. You always have a shot when Thatcher Demko's in net and anything can happen in the playoffs uh, to a certain extent. But you, I'd much rather fancy my chances against a team like LA than Colorado. Um, in a situation like that, I mean, a team like LA would kind of be, it's, it's a coin flip, right? Like it's a really, really close shot. And once you win around and, I mean, then from that point, who knows what can kind of happen. So if you're the Canucks, it's really got to motivate you to look ahead. And, and I think the the balance of this homestand too now, you've got three more at home and two of those include dates with Detroit and Buffalo. Like this has got to be your opportunity to, to really make up ground and, and start to leapfrog, um, especially at a time now where the Canucks are... I think playing with a lot of confidence. I mean, we heard Quinn Hughes the other, uh, last night after the game talking about, well, it just feels like we're never going to lose two in a row again. I mean, nobody needs to tell Quinn that they literally lost two just before they actually beat New Jersey, but OT losses don't count. Um, and you know what? That just goes to speak to, I think, the belief they that the group has in themselves right now. And when you have your leaders at the top starting to lead the way, and, and even when I look at this homestand, guys, Two one and one, but you look back at each of those games, and I think win or loss, you could draw a lot of confidence from each of those. Right, you started off beating Montreal comfortably in cruise control most of the game against a team that um, was starting to see the Marty St. Louis bump um, after against Washington. Start you lose an OT, pick up the point. You come back from the two zero deficit. You had the fluke bounce that went against you, um, the officiating that went went against you. That was a game where the Canucks should have lost just on the balance of how many things went against them, and for them to still climb back um, and pick up a point, I think that showed strong resolve. Obviously, you don't like to start against Tampa, but for fifty minutes, that was a really strong effort. And Andre Vasilevsky really kept Tampa. 
uh, prop them up. And again, that without Elias Pettersson. And then to, to see him put New Jersey away pretty comfortably, again, without Elias Pettersson. Um, I think this is a group that's really feeling themselves. And, and I, I'm, I'm really excited to see how this group responds. I found it so interesting, too, hearing Quinn Hughes talk post game in that Washington Capitals game about, hey, you know, it was nice to get a point. That's kind of like almost what all of us reporters were setting up. Like, hey, you come down into that third period, you're down two nothing and you get a point out of it. We were all like, wow, that's good for you. Like, good for you guys against a really good team in Washington. But to hear Quinn Hughes be like, no, like they that was a letdown for them not getting the win yeah. in that game because they had a lead in the third period. Like the mentality behind the players right now is just it is night and day difference from what we've seen the first 25 games now on into they're the playing to 36. win rather than playing to lose. Yeah. And, and they, and that is, that or is sorry, such a good thing. I, I messed that up. Sorry. I didn't mean to get you. I, I got what you're saying. Yeah. It is. It, it's very <laughs> impressive to see like what, and I think a lot of people bring this up about like how much different, like a mentality can change with a coach. I also just think that like the organization has gone through such a change that have made the players so much more invested and confident in themselves, right? Like this was a roster that we believe could make the playoffs coming into this year. A lot of people did and some people didn't, but a lot of people, especially on this show did. And, and to see them now playing like that, it is so impressive to see what Bruce Boudreaux has been able to do with this team. And you look at how things are going to play out here. The rest of this homestand, you mentioned it, Detroit, Calgary and then back to back with Buffalo on the weekend massive games like I'm really curious to see what the goaltending looks like in those next three games we've like have you guys thought that maybe Thatcher Demko is starting to yes you know feel it a little yeah. bit like this guy has been yeah. leaned on really hard and it's not like it's like I'm not saying it's a bad thing because like literally this guy has been leaned on like crazy over the past basically six weeks it feels like you know and maybe the whole season really but I'm curious, like quads, you're the goalie guy. You play your goalie segment if you want, but uh, what do you think the the starts are going to look like this next, basically all up until the trade deadline? Thank you for setting that up. Oh yeah, you, yeah, you shouldn't. He shouldn't have done that public knowledge. That's uh, that's a big no no. I don't know. You know, I, I can't really give the time and date, or else I feel like Nona's shoe will be flying across <laughs> North America, right and hit me in the head. I think we spent half an hour talking about a backup goaltender. All right, get out of here, Woodley. All right. Favor's going to be. Favor's going to be very pissed. So you know I don't like to say bad things about goaltenders. We should just get the Sportsnet voice guy version on here. What are they going to do? We I work find, for them. Yeah, but I can find a big voice guy. Yeah. I know a couple. I know a couple of big voice guys. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Goalie talk. But so, Al Murdoch shut us down. He says he's a TTP nope. guy. Yeah. Al, Murdoch's Al Murdoch. We respect it, though. We yeah, respect, respect it. it. We respect Al Murdoch's wishes. Okay. So here's what I think about the Canucks goaltending situation, guys. Thatcher Demko didn't practice Saturday when the Canucks were at eight ranks, not Scotia Barn, when they practiced there. Also, Scotia Barn, in case there's legal ramifications for me saying that, Scotia Barn's the place that they practiced. The Canucks practiced there. Thatcher Demko got the day off, maintenance day. When I talked to Bruce Boudreaux about this, he said when he had Jonas Hiller and wrote him for, what was it, 32 games, something like that, he said the thing we did was he didn't practice. So this suggests to me that Thatcher Demko is not only going to be playing this back-to-back, but as long as the Canucks are in the playoff race, he's going to be playing every game from here on out. Until it's over, I don't think Jarl Halak's getting another start. I worry about that. Thatcher Demko, and again... The goals, I, I hate to ever say the goals are the goaltender's fault, but 
I was talking to Kevin Woodley about this in the press box, and that first goal that Demko let in against New Jersey, he had time to get square, get set to stop that shot, and you could see it on his body language. He didn't like that he got beat by that shot. I would say there were one or two goals last night that Thatcher Demko got beat by that it's just a save he usually makes. It's not necessarily one that you say, oh, that's on the goaltender, because of course there was a defensive breakdown in front of him because this is Canucks hockey, but... That's a goal that, or sorry, that's a shot that Thatcher Demko usually stops. He has time to get set. You kind of expect him to make that save. It's a it's a low quality shot to let in for Thatcher Demko. Again, not trying to you know rag on the guy too much, but it's it's just a goal that he usually stops. And I'd be a little bit worried. Again, obviously this is the biggest workload of his career first first year as an actual starter. I'd be a little bit worried about riding him so hard, but I also don't think the alternative is worth testing. Like, I don't think it's worth um, running Yarohalak because I don't think you're getting a win if you put Yarohalak in net. You need wins right now. Like, by our calculations, I think the Canucks have six or seven, maybe. I think it's six. Six losses left to give on the season if they want to control their own destiny. That'll get them to 97 points. And I think only twice in history um, a team has gotten to 97 points and not made the playoffs. So, Canucks need all the points they can get right now. I don't think they're getting them with Yarrow Halak in net. So, I, again, I worry about riding the wheels off of Demko, but I'm also like, if Demko's not healthy anyway, you're not making the playoffs, and you're not doing anything in the playoffs. So, I think when you weigh all the factors, I think what the Canucks are going to do, and again, we're recording this Wednesday, there's a practice at 11 a.m. that we're going to attend. So, by the time this is out, you'll see it on Canucks Army, you'll see it on Twitter. I'm just guessing... Today's an off day for Thatcher Demko. I think Thatcher Demko gets the day off today. Uh, this is just me guessing. I haven't been told this. This is just me purely speculating. And if he does, of course, I'll ask Bruce Boudreaux what this means for the plan. As far as, as, as what I'm assuming it means is that Demko is going to be playing the back-to-backs. I don't think Yarrow Halak is going to play uh, many more games for the Canucks this year. Yeah, and... So a couple things there. One, I do agree that Demko hasn't looked as sharp as he normally does. He looks a little bit uh, fatigued for sure. Uh, just in terms of you mentioned the the first, I think it was the Graves goal. But then there was another one. I can't remember who it was by, but I think it was a counterattack where Demko stopped the initial one, but he let the rebound right in front. Well, okay. So with that one, and I know which one you're talking about, it was the uh, Nathan Bastion goal. Mm-hmm. So that went off Demko's mask. And you can't really control a rebound when it goes off your mask. Fair what enough. you can do, though, is keep your pad flush to the ice. And that's something Demko didn't do. He didn't get much help from his defenseman, don't get me wrong. And that is that is a goal that scored because New Jersey's just so fast and first on pucks. You know, it happens. But again, that's one that Thatcher definitely would like to have back, right? Um, you know, he could have got some help from his defenseman clearing that puck. Absolutely. But again, it, it's hard to control a rebound when it's off your head. So I'm not I'm not saying like... Oh, well, that's a problem with rebound control. Cause for again, sure. Yeah. Sorry. Really I should have phrased it better. It's just one of those goals where Demko doesn't leave the puck out and yeah. like right out in front of him totally. type thing. Sure. In that situation, most times, um, uh, because of the caliber of goaltender he is. And now on the other hand, I will say is, is a, is a positive as a silver lining. It has been really encouraging to see the Canucks pick up wins here without them having to lean on Demko so heavily to exactly to sort of save the day and, and be unbelievable for them. Like even when you look back at say um, even going back to the, to, to the road trip, say the Toronto win. Um, yeah. Demko was great in closing that out in the final 10 minutes, but the Canucks, uh, the Canucks, I think played a really strong road game in that one. And I think the last game where, 
Demko really had to steal one. Um, and even in that one, I thought they, 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 they played well once they got their legs going was the Rangers game. Unless there's, there's another one that I'm, that I may be missing. And so, I mean, on the other hand, I, I would like to point out, I guess, that positive that the team isn't completely reliant on, on goaltending during this stretch. Uh, but you're right. And it is especially interesting because they've got this back to back. And then, boy, they go on the road and they're playing three and uh, three games in four nights and they're playing tough teams. Uh, I think they start with Colorado. Um, I don't remember the exact order. Back but they've to also back got, with Minnesota right after that. Yeah, Minnesota. And then Dallas. So another team that you're chasing. Like, that's that's the three and four right there, which is just a an absolute grind. That's why you look to this homestand and you saw so many teams that are you know bottom feeders, and you have to pick out the points against them. Yeah, and even once you're done with with uh, those three games and four stands, you've got um you, you're on the road against St. Louis. You get them back. You get St. Louis back um, at home, and we know how the Blues have been rolling this season. And then not too long after, you've got a couple big games against Vegas to start April. So. This is a huge stretch, and the travel and schedule is really, I think, heavy here. So, I mean, this is where it's just kind of unfortunate that Halak has the NMC, right? And and you can't, um, like, it's just, it's it's just, I think, a shame that you can't have Spencer Martin in this situation kind of backing um, backing Demko up because he clearly is, I think, at this point, the team's second-best goaltender. And I do think in an ideal world, you would be able to find Demko, you know, maybe not on you, you pick your poison. Maybe you let you would let Demko start what start both of the back to backs on only one of them. Right. So you either pick the back to back on the homestand or the one on the road coming up and you go, OK, Demko's got this back to back, both legs of them. And then we'll give him a night off on on the other one. Um, but you're right, quads, I think. Um, I think it would be a really ballsy move at this point to to even consider going with Halak for one of these starts. So um, unless Demko's really starting to feel fatigued, I think we're going to continue to to see him um, getting getting the starts here. I, I'm just thinking. I don't think the decision's made right now. I think it comes after Saturday. Well, like seeing what the Calgary right. Flames do to Thatcher Demko, and at the same time, like I, I'm sure that the Canucks are actively trying to move Halak. Right. Yeah. I think that's obvious. And with the trade deadline on Monday, we may not even have to have this conversation on Sunday if Spencer Martin is the guy. The other thing is like Spencer Martin is playing games like he is in rhythm right now. He's playing a lot of games. This March that we've had in the AHL March is like the month where everything really cranked up. They're back to playing midweek games. It's not just weekend games anymore. So like you could say that Spencer Martin like is in a way better groove than Yaroslav Halak. And if you believe this, Spencer Martin is the better goalie right now and has proved that this season, it, it, to me, like if you're really going for a win, and even if you are playing a backup goalie on in Buffalo, because I don't think they're going to end up going back to back, to me, like actually putting, like I know Halak's been around the NHL a long time and it's going to you know hurt his feelings or whatever that, that he's not, maybe doesn't get the start. To me, Spencer Martin is the better option if you're going back-to-back. Spencer Martin's playing every second day, every third day right now in the AHL. He's been playing really good. Like, his last eight games have been excellent. He's sitting at, like, a 940 save percentage in the AHL. Even just, like, going with... Not even, like, going with your gut, but, like, just going with who's been better and and even, like, who's in a rhythm over the past two months. To me, it's, like... It feels like it's, like, a risky move just to even, like, say it out loud, but... it's also in my eyes like a no brainer that yeah. that it would sh- that it should be Spencer Martin instead of Yaroslav Halak at this point. And I know that like it's going to suck because Halak's trying to play for another contract, right? And I-, I just think this happens to goalies where if he doesn't have an NMC, like we've seen 
decent like high named goalies like around the league who have been veterans get sent to the AHL like it happens Hudobin. it happens all the time and like you know that the player will have to pass through waivers but obviously you can't do that with Halak here at the NMC but from the Canucks perspective like putting in the best goalie in a back-to-back situation if if Demko is starting to look tired and I think you have to just judge this off of the Saturday game but if he is, uh, you know, against a Buffalo team that isn't that strong offensively and is giving up a ton of goals on the road, you might want to go. I think they're number one in the league at goals against on the road. So, like, this would be the time where I would go with Spencer Martin on, on Sunday. And, and to me, like I said, it's it's a no-brainer to me. And they do have the LTIR room to actually do that. And Harmon, something you pointed out to me very recently, <laughs> that Thatcher Demko doesn't have a full day off in all of 2022, like the calendar year. Yeah, it's it's actually kind of nuts because the obviously the couple games where he was backing up Halak, Halak was not very good and had to be pulled. But and you know what? I'm sorry, but and I I know this is also like Ian Clark wears an earpiece and helps make this decision. I believe, but that's partly on Bruce Boudreaux. You like, had yeah, you had to. In my opinion, you had to leave him in. Your job is backup. Sure, you might have lost the game, but you've got to give the starter a night off. You've got to take the bullet there. Like that's your job as a backup is you've you got take to that give on, him that night chin. off, especially when it's Demko. So, and he had COVID too, right? Those were the only games he missed in January. So even when he was out, he was dealing with COVID. So. All right, we'll cut to break. On the other side, we'll do our poll question, which is goaltending related. That's kind of relates to this whole conversation we had. And then we'll talk about the Canucks power play and a few more topics. So keep it locked, keep it loaded on Canucks Conversation. And before we go any further into the episode, want to give a shout out to Parallel 49 Brewing. You guys can find Parallel 49 Beer all across BC and Alberta. And right now we want to give a quick shout out to the Unparalleled Pack featuring four of the P49 favorites. The Trash Panda, the Filthy Dirty, the Jerkface 9000, and the Hillbilly Ninja. My favorite of the four there, the Jerkface 9000, the Pink Can. Something good about those cans there at Parallel 49. So go out and try them. You can find them in most liquor stores across BC and Alberta. And a massive thank you to all of our sponsors here at the Canucks Conversation Podcast. Speaking of which, Chris, it is time. And Harmon. Sorry, Harmon. Didn't mean to exclude you. It is time for our episode 246 poll question brought to you by Atlas Goods. Go to atlasgds.com and use promo code CC15 to get 15% off your first order of pop rinds. You've heard us talk about them before. They're the best fresh pork rinds that come straight from your air fryer. They're like pork rinds you've never had before, folks. These have a shelf life of 18 months because you have to cook them. They don't go stale like regular pork rinds, like regular chips. High protein snack. They are great. I really like them. Again, Promo code CC15 at atlasgds.com. Same day shipping if you order before 3 p.m. Our poll question today. Well, hold on. Give me a second here. Jesus. Oh, yeah. I forgot we spent three minutes talking about yeah. them. No, I'll, I'll be quick. Send your tweets. Tweet us your pictures. Of, yes, uh, we love seeing uh, that. Seeing I've like, uh, I've like seen seeing a lot. The, the seasoning. And nobody's tried the nacho version of the pork rinds. I don't know if anybody's going to, but maybe I'll be the one to try the yeah, nacho I think, pork I think rinds. if anybody's going to, it's going to be you. Yeah. You so, know what I got? Dill pickle yeah. popcorn seasoning. A little voice crack there. A little popcorn seasoning. I've been putting it on the popcorn. It's been good. I think I might have tried on the pork rind. Yeah, I'm going to go white cheddar on it. I'm That's a good call. White cheddar. Yeah, right, that's all. I won't. I'd say, I'd say we got to start charging them more if we're going to do these yeah, three minute exactly. ads every time. I'm exactly. keeping it short here. <laughs> all right. Our question today How many starts will Yaroslav Halak have through the rest of the season? Zero to one, 
two to three, four or more. And as always, I'm angry. Harmon, let's get your thoughts first. Boy, this is a tough one. And I think it's a close, uh, close race early on. I've seen on the Twitter yep. uh, poll there. Yep. It's tough because it's it totally hinges on how on, on how fatigued Demko ends up looking like. Because look, if if Demko's all right, if he if he doesn't sort of if his body doesn't break down and, and we don't get to a point where he sort of looks. Um, just like if it doesn't get to a point where you're like, okay, we, we got, we need to give this guy rest. Then I, I would like lean towards zero to one, but because of the schedule and how heavy it is, man, I lean towards two to three. Um, but I don't feel confident about that yeah. <laughs> at all, to be honest. And I think none of this at this point has anything to do with Halak. It's all about Demko. And I think if it were up to the coaching staff in an ideal world, it would be zero to one. I just don't know if Demko's body is going to permit them to be able to get to be able to get down to zero to one starts for Halak. I I also think there's another outcome here. I know that you said it's all about Demko. I also think I put Spencer Martin into the equation here. I know I talked about him going into the break there, but I, I also think that, listen, I know that the Canucks and Halak, it's like the situation. He's a veteran guy. Show him some respect playing the games. But the Canucks need to see if Spencer Martin can be their backup in the NHL next year. Like the three-game sample size of, of Martin is unreal, okay? He's not going to be like that yeah. every game. He's not going to have – I think he's the – if you look at like natural stature right now save for 5-on-5 five five save percentage, he's number one or number two like in the NHL. He's not going to be that next year. You need to see Spencer Martin play some games and not have unreal games. You need to see like what an average Spencer Martin game looks like because you're going to get those in the future. You're going to get those next year. And the Canucks need to think – and specifically if they're like – like, I do think there's going to be a real fun push here to the playoffs. Like, the start of April with the three games in the first 14 days of April against Vegas. Like, those three games can be so exciting. And I do think that, you know, the last game of the year against uh, against Edmonton in Edmonton is going to be fun. Like, there are – this is a playoff race. But if things fall off the rails, you really need to get Martin in and, and basically not play Halak. Like, that's just the way that it is. That's like, what I would do. You need to look at the future. And I think also like from seeing like if Halak has one more bad game, it's it's the end. Like that's yeah. why I think it's zero to one, because if he plays on Sunday against Buffalo and say gives up five, you know, on like 26 shots or something, that's that's the end. That's the last game. Yeah. Uh, like I know that he has an NMC, but with Abbotsford so close, Abbotsford has a lot of home games coming up. Like there's something like a 14 day homestand for Abbotsford at the end of March going into April. Like you're going to have Martin so close. And I do think that there's a spot where you carry three goaltenders and start him because you need to see Martin. You need to see what he can do. You need to see his bad games. You need to see a good game. Like you need to see what Spencer Martin looks like in the NHL, because there is a, like my idea uh, that I, you know, I think a lot of people have kind of heard this around the team is that there are, conversations about Spencer Martin being the future goaltender to back up Thatcher Demko next year. Cause listen, it isn't Mikey. Archer Seelaws is still too far away. I don't think they want to go out into free agency again. Cause that's just not worked. Like Holtby didn't work. Halak obviously hasn't worked. This is another option. That's probably the cheapest option. And you got to see what he can do this year before you can really make that decision. Because though it's a very different spot that Demko will be in next year, cause Demko next year is like 
I don't think there was much question going into this year, but next year there's absolutely no question that Demko's a number one who you can ride a lot of the season, and you only need 20 games. You know, 20 games, maybe even less than that from Spencer Martin. So you need to see if you can get him to that point. I think Martin needs, you know, three to four more games this year. I would bet that Martin plays more games than Halak this for the rest of the year in the wow. NHL. I like that. And I like that a lot. If there's a, you know, if that's available on some of these bet sites, I, I think I want to take that because <laughs> like it's got to, it, I don't think it's the, the easy decision, but I think it's the right decision for the Canucks moving forward with this goaltending situation that Spencer Martin needs these starts. And he's proved so like he's looked so good in the games that he's earned it as well. Like there's, there's multiple facets to this to make Martin be the easy decision for me. Like it's, it's not a hard decision. I know that the only thing that's kind of against that decision is like, but the respect that you show to the the veteran NHL guy who wants to earn his NHL contract, but like, Sorry, man, but like the Canucks need to push as hard as they can for a playoffs, and Demko's going to need a break. I think the better goalie right now, who's proven it this season, is Spencer Martin. I'm looking forward to the uh, Alan Wa- Walsh sword tweet <laughs> on yours, level. <laughs> Gosh, that'll be good with Spencer Martin's name on the sword. <laughs> Spencer Martin's fault. Spencer Martin gets blamed for everything. Oh, that'd be amazing. I wonder All who right. Spencer Martin's uh, represented by. Okay, so our early returns on the poll question, 33% of folks say 0 to 1%, 51% is leading the vote with 2 to 3, and 5% say 4 or more, and 11% say I'm angry. Guys, if I have to give my opinion on this, I voted 0 to 1. I'm part of the 33% that voted 0 to 1, and I think it's just because I think this is going to come right down to the wire, and... I don't know if this is a hot take, but I think it's going to be the Oilers and the Canucks that make the playoffs. And I think one of these teams is going to get the wild card spot. The other is getting third in the Pacific. Look, Vegas isn't going to be stepping up anytime soon, I don't think. They've lost five straight. They're three and seven in their last ten. Those are not good numbers. And when you look at Dallas, sure, Dallas has three games in hand on the Canucks. But guys, they've lost three straight and their schedule isn't getting much easier Right now, the Dallas Stars have the Habs on Thursday, the Islanders on Saturday, the Capitals on Sunday, the Oilers on Tuesday, the Hurricanes on Thursday the 24th before they play the Canucks on the 26th. So I think that'll be kind of the game that you're looking at and saying, okay, like what can the Canucks do here? Because these games are going to have playoff implications, right? Like it's not going to be just a cakewalk for either team here, right? And again, like they play again in April, the Canucks and Stars and You look at Edmonton as well. The last game the Canucks play this season is in Edmonton. That game could have serious playoff implications, whether that be seeding for a wildcard spot or third in the Pacific. Because like you said, Harmon, that matters. Because you don't want to match up against Colorado in the first round. Daryl Sutter, head coach of the Calgary Flames, was talking about it the other day. He said, like, yeah, it's nice to be first in the Pacific because... I wouldn't want to be a wildcard team going up as Colorado because it's going to be a waste of eight days. Obviously, the insinuation awesome is quote. it was a great quote. As obviously, he was wearing pajamas on the. I know that was so pants. funny. The insinuation, obviously, being that whoever plays Colorado is going to get swept. Not really a hot take either. Like you look at Colorado's roster construction, they're pretty deep. So you don't want to be that team going up okay, no, no, in the wild card. I'm cutting the goalie stuff off here and moving forward here. I was just talking playoffs. I, I don't care. Ta- okay. I don't care. Prospects report. Oh wow! Okay, go ahead. Well, unless you got you got anything else? Well, do you want to talk about the power play? Like, yeah, do so. Okay, yeah, we can do the power play. Thanks. <laughs> All right, the Canucks power play. Two defensemen on it right now, guys. Oliver Ekman Larson. Harm is, is in- shaking his fist at the wind right now. <laughs> Oliver Ekman Larson is in Elias Pettersson's spot during Pettersson's absence. The Canucks are hoping to get Pettersson back on the homestand. He did skate a couple days ago. 
obviously didn't play in the game last night, isn't expected to play tomorrow. We'll have to see what we see at practice today. But right now, the Canucks power play has all of Rickman Larson in that spot. Just looks out of place. Your thoughts, Harmon? Well, how do you think I feel about it? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I started, um, I think, months ago saying I hated two defensemen on the power play when they went to that for the second uh, for the second unit. And what has the second unit been? It's been an absolute train wreck. I mean, have they... I, I'd be really curious to see the on-ice numbers using Brad, uh, Brad Hunt as a proxy because, boy, that second unit is like... It's essentially at this point a waste of 20 to 30 seconds when they hop over the boards. And... Right. So on the first unit, I mean, I wouldn't even hate it if Oliver Ekman Larson was somehow manning the point. He's just not a flank player. Like, I just don't see it. I, and I made this point before. If you're a flank player, you've either got to have an elite shot or you've got to have elite vision or elite passing. Penalty killers have to respect you in some sort of way. If I'm a penalty killer right now, I don't I don't have any respect for Oliver Ekman Larson on the right flank. I'm not afraid of a shot. He has no one timer. Doesn't really have much of a of, of a strong wrist shot. Um, he's not dynamic enough to thread the needle with cross-seam passes. It's essentially a four-on-four with just an extra guy who can finish and, and can make basic plays. Um, and to his credit, all recommend Larson won't kill you on the power play in the sense that he's not, he's not a momentum killer. When he's out there, he's going to make, he's going to be able to move the puck around and, you know and kind like of facilitate though, things. And why it doesn't work on the flank is Oliver Ekman Larson does a good job of just getting the puck on net. Yeah, that's not what you need from the flank. Yeah, you can't. The goaltenders are able to challenge you in that spot when you're on the flank so hard that it's very different. You're not going to get screens there either. Exactly. And yeah, that's a good point too. So yeah, you nailed it. OEL's best attribute is his ability to get to get pucks through layers of traffic when the goalie is screened. That's just not the job when you're on the flank. And again, he's not killing them in the sense that it's not messing things up. He's not sort of fumbling pucks or, or turning them over. Uh, but it be it it's. It feels a lot like a more of a, a four on four and an extra guy who's just there to to facilitate and, and and make basic passes back to the point, and it just doesn't work uh, in the current setup. And so for me, you've got to bump up someone like Connor Garland and, and figure out some sort of um, setup. I think because again, you guys know I hate three three forwards and two two power yeah. or two D on a power play. I just think you need four forwards, especially. Uh, on your on your top unit, and the Canucks have enough talent for it, right? Especially even even when, even when you talk want to talk about the ramifications ramifications for the second unit, we've barely seen Pod Colson and Hoaglander uh, on uh, on the power play, and both those guys have been really efficient five and five scores. Like since the twenty twenty season, um, Hoaglander I think is second among Canucks forwards in five and five goals. Pod Colson has found the score sheet. Um, a fair amount of times this season at five and five two. Those times guys. he's one of the only four guys I think at even strength who has double digit goals. Yeah, uh, and so to me, those young guys have earned second unit opportunities, and that should facilitate someone like Connor Garland stepping up onto the top unit. Yeah, yeah. I, I find it so like, and I, and I harm you brought this up. I feel like last year was the time that I first heard you bring this take up, but having Besser be on his his downhill side on the right side on the right flank, it's obviously a different look. Maybe that's the thing that's not the reason why OEL might be there is because he's a left shot guy and they yeah. want the one timer, but it just doesn't work. To me, like Besser has been pretty good at the net front presence, really impressive. Would you go with Garland on the right flank, which is a spot he played in Arizona on their first power play unit? Like that is where he started every power play 
for Arizona last year was on that right flank. He has a lot of time over his career playing in that exact role that I wonder if it's because he's a righty and it really changes the look of what that right flank does when you switch to a right-handed shot. Yeah. Although the, again, because of Oyelman's spot, it's the right flank. Isn't, I don't think really has a, a real, like there's no main threat there, right? Like before yeah. when it's Patterson, it's, it's the one, it's the one time or, or, or in other situations, maybe you have that guy um, as a playmaking threat. So I wouldn't be too worried about the handedness there just because, you're not, you're not losing anything one timer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Like that's the the main sort of advantage there is, is your one timer side. You can take one timer. That's not what OEL is going to be doing. So um, I wouldn't mind seeing Garland um, on the downhill side, leave Besser at the net front where he's been finding success. Um, and then you can kind of play. You, you have at least, I think, some options there in terms of how you can um, approach it. But um, OEL just doesn't. T- to me look like a flank player. And uh, I mean, knowing this, he's probably going to score next game now on the power play just because, <laughs> just because yeah. we spent this entire segment talking about it. Uh, but in the long run, again, I just, I just don't think it works. Yeah. And I think the thing we've all kind of thought about is, you know, you have a vested interest in making Vasily Podkolzin or Niels Hoagland or power play, not specialist, but able to play on your power play. Right. And, you know, for all the talk that's been made of, Oh, it's so hard to learn the bumper position. It's so hard to learn the net front. The only way to do it is by getting reps, get the young guys some reps. Right. So, and you know what, like to, to make the argument against two defensemen, like I I'd love to see Hoagland or Podkolzin play the net front or play the bumper position. But like when I'm saying that I'd rather have Chase on or Pearson on the first power play unit instead of OEL, like that's saying something. Cause like, yeah. you know, I, I don't think that those are guys that you want on your first power play unit, but in this situation, I would prefer it. Like I think moving Besser to the right flank and putting either Pearson or chase on like chase on's here to do this, right? Like I don't think he should be there on the first power play when everyone's healthy, but right now he should be like, this should be the reason why chase on is in the lineup. Like I would still rather have like, I, like an option yeah. like Will Lockwood or even Phil DiGiuseppe before going down with the injury, then chase on in the lineup right now. But in this situation, when there is an injury on your first power play unit, it, it, this is the time where you put chase on in the lineup. This is the time where you get as much as you can out of this low contract on that you have with Alex chase on, because this is where he brings value. And it, it is strange to me that we don't see it. Yeah. Okay. Close it out with the prospect report, Chris. Okay. Where do we want to start? We'll start out now. It's for some injuries. Okay, Justin Bailey. From what I hear, it's an it's an upper body injury. He's not going to be back until the start of April. And from what it sounds like, and how it's dealing with complications with the doctors, it it, it, it leans towards the idea that it's likely that shoulder that he had surgery on, and that's just man. Like he's he's dealt with that shoulder for for years. He got the surgery this offseason to not worry about it anymore. It'd be really unfortunate if that's the thing that's letting him down. All we know for sure is that it's upper body and he's gonna be reevaluated at the end of the month, and their hope is that they get him back at the start of April, but they're really missing him out now. It's for Phil Di Giuseppe. Quads, I know you uh you probably heard this through the Italian grapevine, but he was out uh, on crutches yesterday. Uh, so it looks like a fractured foot, I believe, Dollywall reported. I saw him out in crutches yesterday. Uh, it's going to be a while for him. It's going to be a few weeks for sure. Um, on top of that, Ashton Sautner, Guillaume Brisebois still injured out there in Abbotsford. Uh, and then want to bring up Will Lockwood, who, man, like, he was he was just a step and a half faster than everyone in that AHL game that I watched on Wednesday or on Tuesday night. He was so fast, like, 
and, and just talking about him about how confident he's feeling about his penalty killing. Like I, I do think the Canucks need to see him pretty soon here in the NHL. Like I, I, I also heard some things about Tyler Mott. I don't think like, I think Friedman reported that the Leafs were interested. I heard otherwise that the Leafs have not made contact with the Canucks about Tyler Mott, but that I, I don't think things are going positive in a re-signing of Tyler Mott either. I think that it's going to be, I think he is going to get traded. Like I know that I've heard Drance every day on the Canucks hour. Cause I've been producing it all the last couple of weeks. Talk about it being like an own buy for the Canucks or something that they're basically like not selling him as, as like their own buy at the deadline. But I, I think that they are still going to move mod. I, I still think that the management group is going to like look towards the future and take, I know people are like, Oh, but we don't want to just get a third round pick. I, I think you can make a really good difference with a third round pick. And, and I do think that like using that on a defenseman for this team who needs defense prospects, you can find defensemen in the third round. So I think there's value there to, to move on from it or potentially even look at like a prospect because I think that a lot of these teams, we've seen trades happen now where teams are starting to gear up and round out what they want their playoff roster to look like. I, I still think Mott's going to be moved before the deadline. I know that a lot of people are saying, oh, he's going to stand still. I personally believe that he's going to end up getting moved here at the deadline. Other thing I want to bring up, because I was out in Abbotsford, and I, I've heard this name like a few times as the season's gone on, but it's really interesting because now that I'm on like the, the NCAA free agent train right now and trying to learn everything I can about these guys, I've had two different agents bring up Mackenzie Braid's name, who's the skating coach out in Abbotsford. And I think I've praised him quite a bit on this podcast in the past, but to hear his name brought up from agents about like a reason why they might want to sign with the Vancouver Canucks is because they they know that their their players who need to work on skating have heard about the rep that Mackenzie Braid has as a skating coach out in Abbotsford. I even heard Jet Wu bring it up yesterday because I asked Jet about you know getting back into the pace of a game and he said yeah but like a bittersweet part of uh, of him being injured was how much time he got to spend with Mackenzie Braid and how much better his skating feels after just like working on a different stride and, and certain things so, like. What the Canucks have out there in Abbotsford and Mackenzie Braid is something that's being like talked about around the hockey world, apparently, which is really good. And that's a good spot for like to see these players like Jet Wu, Danila Klimovich work on their skating and spend all this time with Mackenzie Braid to think that NCAA and WHL, CHL like free agents are, are thinking Vancouver's a landing spot because of their skating coach in the AHL. That's a huge boost. To, to them. And I, I think that that's going to help guys like, you know, Rutherford and Alvin obviously want to get some of these players in because it helps your prospect pool. I think Mackenzie Braid's going to help draw people into this organization, which is huge because, like, he's the AHL skating coach. Like, this shouldn't be like a reason. It doesn't, to me, it doesn't feel like a reason why you'd want to go sign with an organization, but his name's been brought up to me multiple times now and even to hear it from players yesterday. So um, I think that's great. And, and uh, it's, it kind of bodes well for, for the name that I keep hearing the Vancouver Canucks connected to is Brandon Scanlon, who like, you know, it's wild because like I wrote about this guy being the perfect fit for the Canucks to sign an NCAA free agency. And now the name keeps coming up. Uh, I don't think there's going to be a decision in the next 24 hours, but it's coming soon. Like, I think teams want to be able to lock in their free agency before the deadline, because if you sign an NCAA free agent before the trade deadline, that is when they can play in a game and burn off a year of their ELC. So the NCAA guys want to sign before Monday. 
that they are unless they're still playing playoff games then they might be guys that jump straight into the nhl but guys in situations that are undrafted and want to burn off one year teams like teams that are out of the playoff spot are still like promising these ncaa guys that they can burn off one year so they all they do is play one game in the nhl all year long that burns off the year right so then they mostly play in the hl but other teams like the canucks they're not promising that the NH, like the canucks right now are just saying like hey you'll get your hl time you'll be on that three-year entry-level contract they they aren't promising. That's what I've heard. The Canucks aren't giving out the contracts that burn off years of their ELC to these NCAA guys that are available right now. But also in thinking about that, unless you're a really, really high pedigree prospect and, and you know for a fact that you're going to carve out an NHL career, is there a ton of appeal? And, and, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. Is there a ton of appeal to even burning off that? For first year, if you're like, I'm just thinking about if I'm a fringe guy who is trying to make the NHL, is there a ton of value added going to a non playoff team just to burn that off? I, I totally see it for if you're a top prospect. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. You know, you know, I'm curious as well. Like, this is just what I'm hearing is that teams are offering like uh, I, I bring up Nick Blankenberg speaking to his representatives like teams. I don't know for sure, but I'm guessing it's teams like Buffalo, yeah, Ottawa, yeah. Detroit that are like, we'll give you a shot in the NHL to burn off the LC. I just know that it's it's something that an agent brought up to me as mm-hmm. part of the discussions that teams are having right now with players. Right. It's part of the offer sort of right. that they're giving them is like, we'll give you NHL games this year. We want you to get to the NHL, but hey, we'll give you it like this year. That's kind of part of the offer, right. I think, that's drawing people in. Right. It must be more the NHL games than the burning. Yeah, the, I don't think yeah, the burning is, makes sense. is a big part of it. I think it is just getting to the NHL and yeah. proving they can do something that makes in the sense. NHL. Um, the other thing that it's just like, you know, teams have to evaluate, like players have to evaluate these free agents. They have to evaluate what the situation obviously is, you know, Archie Baines looks at the Canucks wingers that they have down in Abbotsford. And he says, I can probably play in the middle six this year and work my way from there. That's why he signs here in Vancouver as well as uh, I talked to Arch deep on, uh, on Monday, good conversation. And I guess I can put it out there. Now the, the article will be running for the Canucks next week. Uh, so excited about that article. Um, but you know, there's a lot of connections with this organization that have worked that way. I'm starting to get the same feeling with Brandon Scanlon. Like I, I really hope that this, this is the spot that he wants because I think a lot of his camp and the group that you know represents him thinks that Vancouver is a good option. And it's going to be the ultimate decision is going to come down to Scanlon. But as a six four big lefty who's mean as hell, and there's a spot for him to play right now in Abbotsford. I, I'm pretty. I'm feeling pretty optimistic about. The Canucks being able to land this guy who's potentially the top defense defenseman coming out of NCAA right now as a free agent. Like, I think he might be the number one. Yeah. And you've been writing about this at Canucks Army. So, folks, go read Canucks Army. Lots of good stuff, obviously, from you on the prospect stuff. And you had your little piece with JT Miller. I'm really, I shouldn't call it your little piece. You've been working on it for like two years. <laughs> two years <laughs> yeah, your little, little, little piece you did there, Harmon. But you want to talk about that before we close out? Yeah, no, it was, it was awesome. And, and I think it'll make for a great conversation, maybe in the offseason or something, or, or when there's less to talk about, just to kind of get into, um, get into it. But basically, it was just kind of the, the full story of, you know, I, I spent, I think, months tracking down Miller, his parents, his teammates, his coaches. And it's kind of just like the inside story of how he finally broke out as a star in Vancouver. And it goes through how he was immature, um, young and dumb in his own words in New York. And, you know, told stories about how he got how he missed curfew, ironically, in Vancouver on the road. 
um, and it was like sent home early from from the trip and um, how that like second pro year was like a living hell for him. Talked about watching the cup finals when he, when he was with the Rangers from the press box and um, how much that uh, how much that sort of hurt him and and how that sort of powered him. And then talked a lot about his competitive. We talked a lot about his competitive drive and learning to control his emotions and just the way he's wired and um, why he's been able to find success in Vancouver where he maybe hasn't in, in previous stops. And um, it was just so fun and insightful to really dive deep into this and, um, and kind of just, it's, it's, it's basically the oral history of his roller coaster NHL career mm-hmm. in, in an unfiltered way where I've like never heard people like people usually aren't this honest about what the journey's like. Totally. And we talked about, highs and lows and how much it sucked being in the AHL and all that. So that's really, a lot of I haven't, fun. I haven't read it this morning. It's been too early of a morning, but I'll definitely be reading it uh, as soon as I get to Sportsnet for my shift here. But I just think it's so cool because this is a player who we look at now and, you know, maybe this story hasn't been told. So that's, that's why I'm really excited. Yeah. I, think he, I think you've been working on this for a long time, Harm. I know it's going to, it's going to, and crush, he talks so. about like how much it meant even getting the, uh, the alternate captain going into this season. Like it yeah. legitimately means a world to him. Um, because he just explained, like, I never thought I could get to this point. Like, he's just straight up said, like, I never thought I could get to this point where, I mean, even his mom said, um, he's like, to think that he, that, that a team and a coach would believe in him enough as a leader to give him an A when not many years ago, that would have been the last thing somebody put on his jersey. Like that, that turnaround just, just means so much for him and his family. And so that was, that was really cool. And, and he's loving it, loving it in Vancouver. So it was a, it was a make you feel warm and fuzzy type thing. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah. I'm excited to read it as well. All right. We'll close it out there for my co-host, Chris Faber and Harmon Dial. My name is David Quadrelli. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation delivered by DoorDash. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim? Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.